0: warning the following program is serious about wine but doesn't take wine too seriously it might make you laugh or thirsty or both sorry if we make you spit <laughs> this is grape encounters radio with david wilson before this is
1: over i'm gonna need a whole lot of serious therapy
2: You know somebody came up to me the other day and said hey David what do you think about drinking wine in the can and I said you know, I don't have any problem with it. I drink it in the can. I I drink it in the living room. I drink it any place I can drink it. And they just looked at me and shook their head. That was not really what they intended with the question. Hey, if you haven't seen wine in cans, then you're missing one of the biggest trends in the wine business right now. And I had a can of wine handed to me a couple of days ago by somebody who uh, brings wine over for me to taste and to actually purchase for the Grape Encounters Emporium, our wine bar on the central coast of California. And it turns out, It was a can of wine made by one of my best buds. And that is Adam Lazar, winemaking superstar. And I got on the phone literally while we were in the meeting. I said, I got to talk to Adam right now. I never figured Adam for somebody who would ever put wine in a can. He's here right now. He's holding the can in his hand. And you're admiring your can, right? (laughs) Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. You just spilt wine all over the studio table Oh, there. you know what?
1: I shook the can up before. Why
2: no, are you no, pouring no. it from the can into a glass? Don't you just drink it out of the can? Uh,
1: that would be appropriate because it is a can. But if I've got a glass in front of me, it just seems a little easier. So,
2: uh, I mean, seriously, isn't it made to be consumed right out of the can? Or I will do what that. Was, I, what I, was I, the
1: idea? I will do that if uh, you
2: so No, desire. I'm not going to force you to drink the wine, mm. you know, a different way. Hang on. I want to open my can, yeah. first of all, too. What is this? And first, let's talk about this brand because right. this is a brand you created this is a brand i created total, back in 2005 a t- total national brand i mean yep. anybody that drinks any amount of wine knows this brand it's famous
1: it is cycles gladiator and if you don't know the name Ah, did
2: you, probably hear, did re- you hear mine? <laughs> I, know, I heard, I heard <laughs> yeah, yours. It's
1: great. And three million of your listeners have just heard that too. I, it's
2: funny. I'm looking at the screen, you know, as we're talking, you know, you can see the audio waves and it just went off the charts. overmodulated. <laughs> yeah, huh? Exactly,
1: yeah. So it's the label. that has got the lovely naked redhead on a bicycle with the wings on the pedals going up into the stars. And it's actually an old 1895 bicycle poster.
2: So do you think that this bicycle poster was the inspiration in some way for – that image in ET where the bicycles kind of going off into the
1: stars you know i have a hard time drawing a connection between that creepy little wrinkly creature and this lovely beautiful <laughs> but the, redhead with the, hair and you know, but, than but her.
2: i got to think that spielberg maybe saw this image and said hey you know we could change this around a little bit we'll put a alien in the basket and we'll put the little kid on the seat of the bike and It'll change yeah, it up a bit.
1: Uh, that's kind of a stretch. Okay, I, I maybe think now. Um, okay. Well, you know, it, it is an iconic image, though, and there is yes. no uh, doubt about it. And in fact, in the years that I've worked with Cycles Gladiator 2005, 2009, and then over the last three years, I've had the brand back. We, we purchased a brand from Han where I worked before. I've had a lot of people who come up to me. You, I go into bike shops and uh, places where there's like uh, triathletes hang out and stuff. And a lot of these people have this bicycle poster on their living room wall somewhere. I, I love how
2: you snuck in the fact that you hang out at places where
1: triathletes hang out. Oh, I don't know. Th- no. That was a way no. for
2: you. No, that was a way for you to bolster your already incredibly masculine image.
1: Well, no, there would be. this would be like bars where triathletes hang out. <laughs> okay. okay? How about let right. qualify it like that? All right. Okay. I thought you were going into places where you get
2: the equipment to be a triathlete. Yeah. No. No, okay. <laughs> no it's not you. <laughs> okay. What we oh, we're out of time. All right. We? No, we aren't. So I saw this and I, I frankly was absolutely taken aback, but in a really positive way, because this is the first can of wine that I've seen that I actually went, wow, that really grabs me. It really grabs me. The label, the can, the whole thing is sexier than any beer can, any can of anything that I've ever seen. This is the the pinnacle of canned Beverages right here.
1: You know what? It, it's a, thank you for that. It's a, Don't you agree? It, it's a, it's one of the fastest growing segments of the wine industry that can. Why? Um, I think, uh, convenience, convenience and nothing more. Really, when you think about it, you know, when you go out to the golf course, it's really hard to take a bottle of wine, you know, in the bag with you. You might have a small cooler. Yeah, bottles are but, clumsy. Bottles are clumsy. Uh, If you're sitting by the pool, you obviously don't want to have glass around. If you're uh, going out on a picnic, if you're going out on a hike, if you're uh, going out fishing, if you're just doing stuff, some type of activity where where just having a bottle of wine is is a pain in the ass. uh, A can makes perfect sense. The problem for me when we decided to put Cycles Pinot Noir in the can, uh, there's a lot of considerations. We can go into the details about that later. But one of the things I discovered, you know, we did a lot of competitive set tasting. We tasted pretty much every can product. Out there that we could find, there must really? be thirty, forty of them. Uh, in particular, uh, there were a handful of pinot noirs. And you know, uh, listen, you, as you know, I'm I'm my own biggest critic. I don't like anything that I make. I'm just like
2: yeah, you I said just, that you said that a little while ago before we went yeah, on. here I, I
1: just you want to, you know, I just I always think that I should have been doing something better. And just, I think why do, it helps. Why, why do you think that is? I think it helps drive me to continue to improve. I mean, it's just, you know, you go to bed after you put something in the bottle. I lay awake at night just, think, God, you know what? I should have put a little more Cab Franc in the blend. Maybe I used I use a little too much oak. I did a little of this. And it's like, well, once it's in the bottle, it's too late. Because
2: I guess if you're a winemaker, if you don't improve every year, then what the heck is the point?
1: There's that. But being a winemaker, is not... Like making vodka or uh, even making beer for that matter, it is you get one shot a year and you are only as good as what Mother Nature gives you that year. So really, the challenge is taking the grapes that you get and there's no two years that are ever alike. And there's some that are similar, but there's no two years, you know, if it rained a little bit before harvest or with a little heat or this or that changes the structure, complexity, flavors of the grape drastically. And so uh, the, the challenge isn't try to get better every year. It's just to understand what uh, you're thrown every year and to be able to make the best stuff you can. But
2: isn't isn't that the fun part of winemaking is, oh, you know, yeah. it kind of it reminds me in a way of the TV show Chopped. You ever watch right. Chopped?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. So everybody
2: show. gets a basket. Mm-hmm. And there's just going to be whatever's in there, and that's it. Every show, what's in the basket is different, and you play the hand that's dealt you. Right? That could not be a
1: better analogy for what you get as a winemaker. You oh, know? You. And and at the at the same time, you know, you're competing against. Five thousand other wineries in California, and or, you know twenty thousand wineries around the world. I mean, we recognize that there's no such thing as brand loyalty in the wine industry. It's really people are loyal to what the next floor stack in their local supermarket is that has a great deal. There's obviously some wines like Rombauer and Silver Oak people just have to have at the Prisoner, Mayomi. But and those um,
2: got to be the same every year.
1: They got to be the same every year. The real uh, challenge Ken- is the other ninety-eight percent of Chardonnay. Of us, yeah.
2: They make how many millions of bottles of that wine, and they're all just
1: exactly alike. I, I mean, and it's and a, great, it's a, a great, great bottle of wine, yeah. yeah but yeah, it, exactly. and it's consistency. You know, it's, that is my definition. When people ask the definition between New World and Old World, it's well, Old World wines celebrate vintage differences and celebrate the vintage. Where New World is all about consistency. When you go in to buy a bottle of Bin sixty five Lindemann Chardonnay at the grocery store, it doesn't matter what the year is. You expect it to taste the same as the last time that you bought it. That that and is
2: that that is the difference between. Wine that is a handcrafted product and wine that is a beverage in
1: a certain sort of way.
2: Well, I okay. Mean- I, the look on your face says no.
1: No, I mean, you know, there are large wine companies where a lot of stuff is done behind a computer. And I've worked at those places, but it still requires the deft touch of a winemaker. being able to change on the fly, you get in your grapes, you know, OK, you taste your grapes, you look at the numbers. OK, we're going to use this type of yeast now we're going to try this. We're going to do this. Yeah. We're going to do this. Um, and you have to change. And I mean, at a moment's notice, you've got to fly and, uh, you know, and still try to make a consistent product.
2: We are talking to one of the great geniuses in my mind in the wine business. He is Adam Lazar. He is responsible for a lot of very famous wines that nearly all of you have consumed at one time or another. Doesn't that feel good to know that pretty much
1: everybody that's listening has sipped something that you've created I'm not sure that's a good, good or <laughs> come a bad on it's, thing. but it's but it's pro- I mean, it's only it's only it's only if uh, if you liked it then I made it if pretty, you pretty didn't like pretty it, I had close to the truth
2: uh, we're gonna come back in just a second with Adam but I really <laughs> can't wait to ask the next question which is and don't answer it now but I want to know if somebody pitched this to you or if you pitched this idea of putting cycles gladiator in a can to somebody else I want to be the fly on the wall in that meeting right where that happened, because that had to be a passionate discussion. I can absolutely guarantee it. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, my very special guest, Adam Lazar. He is the head winemaker at the Wine Hooligans. I didn't even mention that at the beginning, but you make Cycles Gladiator and tons of other stuff.
1: Tons of other stuff. Well, you know, I guess we probably, don't, we probably we don't make seventy-five different wines. Seventy-five different wines. Not not all different brands, but you know, I think we do probably. <laughs> Seven broad market brands, which means the wines that you can find in your a restaurant or supermarket. And then we do a number of what are called PL private label or control label wines, which you might find, say, in Costco or BevMo or... You know they're big chain. These are contracted wines. They're they're uh, wines that that we that have to be every bit as good as anything I can do, but they're specifically for one chain.
2: I always tell people there is nothing wrong with wine at Costco. When you're as big as Costco and you got the money that they've got, I guarantee you they're not going to put junk on their shelves. But
1: Costco rocks the uh, yes, the wine yes world. They, they do. do. I'm, and I, I'm, a, I'm a I could not be a bigger fan than yeah, than that, yes, or BevMo for that matter. Yeah,
2: yeah, yes they do. It's amazing what they do. Okay, we'll be back with. Adam Lazar in just a second talking about canned wine cycles gladiator in a can. And there's more than just one varietal. And we're going to talk about those other varietals when we return with Grape Encounters Radio.
0: Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in the quaint, friendly, and historic town of Atascadero, California. Don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page. We're incredibly fun people just like you. Share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounter's host, David Wilson.
2: it reminds me of when I took my mother, when I was just a a young chap, to go see Elvis Presley. Yeah, that's how old I am. There's a certain electricity that is in a room when you have a superstar in your presence. I got my superstar here. He's a winemaking superstar. He's very <laughs> humble. He's a, you know, he's he's a lovable guy, but don't. Make any mistakes about it. Adam Lazar is a superstar. You're a swashbuckler.
1: I thought you were going to give us a story about Elvis Presley and your mom. That would have been like. Really cool. Can
2: you believe I took yeah, – here is a just – here's Halisha a segue, man. Here, here's a sidebar. This yeah. is really cool. So I was very young and I just got my driver's license and my mother was just in love with Elvis Presley. And I said, you know, mom, I'll take you to see Elvis Presley because he was playing in Long Beach and we lived not too far from there. OK. And so I took her to see Elvis and it was like the coolest thing. I, and I love music but you don't have to love Elvis to know that he's just a superstar. You just feel No, it. I mean, yeah. yeah but,
1: no, he is, I mean, but he exudes. He's just one of those people that exudes everything. But here's he the weird story. Okay. Years later, I'm together with some friends, a bunch of
2: friends, and I tell the story about taking my mom to see Elvis Presley. There were three other people in the room who had all taken their mother to see Elvis Presley at that same concert, and we all lived hundreds of miles apart at that time. Right? How's that?
1: Is that weird? Well, so was this before or after Elvis Presley died? This was before. Yeah.
2: Okay. okay. It was the fat Elvis. <laughs> the fat All Elvis. right, but you are not the fat Elvis. You are the very trim, you know, very muscular Adam Lazar. Working towards it. Yeah. Cycle's gladiator. Let's go back to that for a second. Now, I posed this question right before we went to break. And that was the question about who pitched this. Knowing you, I just have a hard time seeing you go. Yeah, you could put my baby in a can.
1: You know what? I'm, a, I'm a whore for alternative packaging. I think, you are. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, bottles are great, but you know these tetra packs and these box wines and cans and some of these other fun stuff. I mean, for me, anything you can do to get wine into somebody's mouth, and for a lot of people, they are intimidated by. Wine. Mind. They're intimidated. Right. There's thousands of choices and you've got friends who are really stuffy and – and pretend to be, they're very pretentious about wine and, and you go to a wine list or you walk in a wine shop and you can be very, very intimidated. So having opportunity to put something in a can or a box and having it okay to me is very exciting. I don't care how somebody gets the wine as long as they get it. I, you know, if it's, you know, in a little squeegee and you, in a sponge in a bucket or something and you a walk sque- up and I don't care, you know. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. So you, you've got a squeegee and a sponge and the wine's in a or bucket. Or a spray bottle. And you or take the you know? sponge and you dip it into the bucket and then squeeze it. Into somebody's mouth? I,
1: that sounds like a great idea. That sounds ridiculous. we, I, we to talk after the show. Yeah. but I mean, you know, I mean, being facetious, but I mean, really, it, whatever it takes for people to have wine and have an opportunity to have wine. And for me, having the cans is uh, opens up an entirely new avenue of being able to, you know, when people are out r- doing recreational stuff, they're out swimming, they're boating, they're golfing, they're playing tennis, they're hiking, they're doing any number of things. Having a bottle of wine is a pain in the...
2: All right. How do I take... The, I haven't taken a sip of this yet. Yeah. I'm going to do it now. Do and it. it's a Pinot, which, you know, yeah. is not my favorite varietal, but that's okay. That's the real test with me. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah well... <laughs> Anyway, We're screwed, folks. I'm not, I am not going to put it in a glass, however, you know, okay. because you just made the point that you're out someplace and glass is inconvenient and, and probably, you know, you know, can break. So I'm having it out of the yeah, can. Yeah, no, I And you're sitting so there absolutely. pouring it into the glass, I see.
1: Well, because what is your see- can empty already? Oh, no, because I have a problem <laughs> and I have a hole in my lower lip and it ends up all oh, over my Oh, which, which is actually kind of why I wore this burgundy. You have a hole what, from a piercing? Um, you would think, right? That would actually be a valid question, but no, actually, I just, maybe my lips don't form. All right, all right
2: here goes the sip, okay? Uh, can you take over the show while I'm yeah, sipping this? Okay, okay go ahead. Okay, hey, folks,
1: let's talk about, anyway, let's talk about the wine. So, one of the things that was exciting for me when we had this opportunity, so it was- Oh pitched. my
2: gosh, this is great! Oh, quit. You're, no, you're, this is great! This is fantastic! All right, so- I'm not, come on. All right well i 'm not hyping the wine
1: i'm giving I'm giving you the story about how this came to be and why it's okay, exciting. but i I'm, can I'm, sit I'm there. loving
2: this wine it's delicious
1: um, you know what David by the way, was really really generous, and he opened up a, a beautiful bottle of ice wine before we went on the show today and I just want to thank you for that this and is i didn 't save a, uh,
2: even a drop for my wife annie, and i'm in big trouble. Oopsie, can you replace this or can i what can I pour in there to make it?'t know like
1: where you get that stuff you in like the West no. united States anyway right. so. What happened was we were at our I'll tell you exactly how it happened. So we're at our national sales meeting. So all of our regional salespeople are coming together, and we've talked about cans before, the CEO of the company and the powers that be. And you know, for me, like I said, if you wanted to put something in a box, you want to put it in a in an airline you know size bottle or something like that. Sure, you know, it's fine with me. But you know, it's it's very expensive. Um from the outset to change to a to entirely new packaging, there's considerations like getting new molds and getting new uh, pl- printing plates and and then and cans in particular, have a bunch of considerations that you don't have in bottles. like what? Well, for one thing, the liner that's inside a can, there's certain chemicals that are certain things that we can use in wine, uh, say copper sulfate, which in, in microscopic amounts uh, takes the uh, burnt uh, rubber smell out of a wine, for example, or the burnt matchstick smell, the sulfides. But you can't have that in a can wine because it'll lead through the liner. And oh, um, wine and aluminum do not mesh very well. And then things with pH, things with acid. How do you learn these things? Well, by talking to the, the people that make the cans. Actually, we would discuss this with uh, uh, the company Ball uh, Containers, which is the largest, I think, can company. In the United States, they do up pretty much most of the beer cans and, and wine cans, and so are uh, researchers and and scientists we talk to about that. And so these are considerations, but for me, our Western Regional Manager Scott uh, said, you know, why don't we put cycles in a can? People are we've been talking about kegs, we've been talking about this, and he goes just the, the clamor, and and so. Each one of the regional salespeople—we got a guy from the southeast, based in Florida. We got a guy in the northeast who's uh, based in New Hampshire. Uh, we got a Midwest guy, and we got a Western uh, United States guy. And so they all got on their their phones as we took a five-minute break and texted each of their distributors around the country. Would you be interested in Cycles Gladiator in a can? Oh, you're kidding! And trying me. to get a hold of a distributor and get them back, get them. To get back to you within, you know, a week is like pulling teeth. And literally within five minutes, we had the entire country respond, please do it now. And so we turned this project around within two months. Wow. It's a beautiful, beautiful package. And during that time period, uh, Pat Morgan, who's uh, our production manager, and I tasted through. We did a competitive set tasting many times. I can't tell you how many cans we've had. Probably 40 or 50 different brands over a period of time, including some Pinot Noirs. And you know, as I told you before, I'm I'm I am my own worst critic, and I'm not a big fan. I'm really I really like what's in this can, and I'll tell you why. It's non-vintage, as almost all cans are. I, I think I've only seen one vintage date on a can product. It was a Sauvignon Blanc out of Monterey.
2: So how many years are actually- there's
1: actually four different vintages, and what really? that allows me to do as a winemaker. So you, if you're making a wine, you're putting it in a bottle, it's got a vintage date on it, you're have got you can, you you're allowed to put like 5% of a of vintage in it. If it's a political appellation like a county or the state of California, you can put 15%, but still, uh, that's not that big a thing. All what right, this- hold
2: on, because we got to take a break. And okay. you know what I'm going to end up doing here? Uh, we're going to have on next a good friend of both of ours, Kimberly Charles, is going to be on. Oh,
1: I'm going to I, I'm gonna
2: have to cut her short. Because I want to continue this conversation, she's been on a number of times recently. She won't mind, and besides, doesn't she do the PR for your company?
1: Yeah, she's. We're all talking. Right. We're talking about a product. All right, doesn't, yeah, it
2: doesn't matter. Then okay. I just want to continue this. This is way too fascinating. Okay, so hold the thought. Holding. <laughs> we'll be back in just a <laughs> second. Adam Lazar. He's a winemaking superstar, wine judge, winemaker, wine educator. He's done it all, and he's made some of the greatest wines in the world. And that's why we got him sitting here because we only have the best right here. On Grape Encounters Radio, back with Adam in just a second.
0: You're having a Grape Encounter with David Wilson. What a way to spend the day. Welcome back to Grape Encounters where we like to think of every wine country as home. However, our studios are located in the very friendly town of Atascadero, California, where fine wine can be found in every direction, which means you never really need directions to get anywhere you really want to go.
2: Well, I never thought I'd be talking more than a half an hour about wine in the can. <laughs> But, you know, leave it to Adam Lazar to once again make me rethink everything that I think about wine. You know, I'm a... Die Hard romantic Adam.
1: Sure, uh, you
2: know I've heard,
1: I've read that on the internet. Wine <laughs> seen it on bathroom walls. It's
2: just it's it's, it's it's. I will say this that that little sound that it makes when you open a can isn't too different than the sound of opening a bottle of bubbly. Oh no, it's it's, it's totally. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you actually, if you do bubbly correctly, you shouldn't have a sound at all, except a little hiss. It's so. totally
2: different. Okay, yeah. you guys are not only making. A cycles Gladiator Pinot Noir though, you're making, what, how many different versions of this?
1: Only cycles Pinot in the can. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right now we're going to test and see how it works. I'm not sure that something like our Petite Sirah would work well in a can. It's Why? a little bigger, heavier, a little tannic. So here's my thought process. So when I was asked to do the can, we tasted about 30 or 40 different can products, including a number of Pinot Noirs, and I was just really not excited about what I tasted. There were a couple of very good ones. Some local guys are doing some really kind of neat stuff, but I'm talking about national. And they were just kind of thin and insipid. And so it gave me an opportunity to raise the bar on this stuff. And so I have the opportunity. I've got a couple of different vintages in here. I've got something really fresh from 2016. I've got something that's got an extra year of barrel age on it in 2015. I've got even going back to 2012. These are all really good Pinots that just didn't have a home at the time. We overblended or underblended. So
2: where are these wines sitting? The neutral they're sitting in neutral barrels?
1: Yeah, they're sitting in neutral barrels. Really? And uh, so I was actually able to create a wine for the can. You know, like I said, you're, you're you You are you kind of strapped. Your hands are kind of tied. If you're doing a single vintage wine, you've, you can only do the best that this one vintage gives you. But when you have a couple of different vintages and you've got a little extra barrel time, you've got a little aged wine that you can pitch in to give it some complexity. Uh, you've got something really fruity and fresh. And now you can make this big, broad-shouldered, beautiful, full-bodied, complex beast in a can. Now, the, the consideration that I needed was that I recognize that people are going to be putting this in their cooler with their beer and their waters, and it's going to get down to like 33 or 34 degrees. So when I put these blend together, it took me like two and a half very, weeks.
2: Very interesting point that there, I hadn't thought about. It's going eight, in the cooler with everything else.
1: eight different components. Well, And it's also going to warm up when you pull it out of the cooler too. So you're going to be on a golf course. It's going to be 90 degrees. The wine's going to warm up from 34 to, you know, 80 in, in a very short period of time. The wine has to taste great at all of these temperatures. And so I put together dozens and dozens and dozens of blends in my kitchen, and I had them all in my freezer. Are my you storage. talking about
2: your real kitchen at your house? My no, real
1: kitchen at my house. This is where this blend went together. <laughs> really? Oh, I mean, because I needed access to a, a couch to lay down on every so often because I was putting so many blends together. But I tested Were you, were you laying wine. down
2: because you had tasted a lot of the blends, or were you laying down because you were working into the late wee hours of the night. You
1: can get pretty hammered by t- working all day tasting blends. Do you, you even swallow? Uh, no, I spit. You do spit? Yes, and how do you get hammered? You, you spit it, but it, what happens is is that the wine gets uh, into your system anyway sublingually through your tongue or through your cheeks, and a little bit will obviously leak down the back of your throat, and that's not a problem if you're doing five or six wines. It's a problem if you're doing like seventy or eighty wines or different blends. And ultimately, I mean, you've you've set at competitions, and you, you they're drinking Merlot and Cab uh, Zinfandel for three and a half hours. Y- you spit, but you you get a good buzz going anyway. So get back to the wine. So this gives me the opportunity to make th- this really nice wine, and I. I put the blend together based upon how it was going to taste at 32 degrees and how it was going to taste at 75 degrees. And just because the wine is good doesn't mean it's going to be great at 75 degrees or great ice cold because the wine changes drastically. And I challenge any one of your listeners who wants who, who doesn't believe me to go ahead and put a bottle of Pinot, you know, in the freezer, get it down to just just above freezing, and taste it every half hour and see how drastically you know things pop. So for me, it had to be this black cherry cola concentrate. All right. I, I, I,
2: I got to pour this into the glass because I haven't even actually. Actually got to look at the color of it because I'm yeah. drinking it out of the can. And by the way, drinking it out of the can, you, you do not
1: drink you, out you, of the can. You, the no, dog you, was just there. You yeah,
2: okay? You can't sip it out of the can. you, you slug it. You do. Yeah. You know what? This looks almost like a. Grenache or something, you know, Mm -hmm. the the density of this. the Well, Well, it's got got a little, like I said,
1: it's got a little 12 in it. I think it was about 8%. Uh, I've got uh, a little 14 in it, about uh, 18%. And I've got a a bunch of 15 and and 16 in it. But the uh, idea being is that it can't be too tannic. The tannins have to be melting. They're in the back of your throat. So when it warms up, the most horrid thing I can think of is a really dry, tannic red wine. On a golf course or on a tennis court or by the pool at yeah, 85 terrible. degrees. It's going to be horrible. So terrible. this still has to taste great at that point.
2: We're talking to Adam Lazar. He was the creator, the inventor, the brainchild behind – cycles gladiator an iconic wine in america and i guess outside of america too
1: we sell a ton of yeah. this in uh, europe and in asia
2: just for everybody's edification some of the other brands that you've worked with that people would recognize
1: uh steven vincent some wine that i make
2: i get somebody who comes in here and buys a bottle of Stephen vincent every single day really yes same
1: person same person yeah, same person. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, i need their address she I'm loves that chardonnay loves something it, yeah uh, that's our kind of our big oaky, buttery uh, yep. Chardonnay uh, uh, in the portfolio. We do a brand called Goyette, which is kind of a Costco exclusive. I do a brand called Sea Monster, which is a really cool eclectic that white blend. That is such a beautiful I, wine. I, I had a bottle of that for the first are, time. Are,
2: so are you making the blend again, the Sea Monster blend? The blend is not only back, but that's what we're going to be uh, doing wish moving forward. somebody had told me that. Okay, some of the wines that you've worked on in the past, though, that people would recognize.
1: Sure, I was uh, the uh, uh, vice president of wine for uh, Han, Hanneson. Yeah. It of Monterey from yeah. 2001 till 2009. Rex Goliath was one of the brands that we created. Um, that was a chicken, right? And that thing blew up and we sold it two years later to a, a big wine company, which took it to the next uh, level. I, I
2: was just – remind me and w- when we get to a break, I want to show you a photograph from Chateau La France in Bordeaux. Okay. They have a 48-meter giant chicken made wow. out of stainless steel. Okay. Anyway, hey, we're running out of time, Adam, but this question is it just has to be asked. Right. When you go off on a picnic and you don't finish all the beer and I know that doesn't that doesn't happen in your world. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of times, you know, you go on a picnic and, you, you know, everything's been sitting in the ice chest and yeah. the ice is getting slushy. By the time you put the ice chest back in the car, it's, you know, nothing but water. You pour that off and it sits in the car for a couple of days getting warm. You know the story, right? Uh, now, I, now, I, I now I take this this can of wine and I put it back in the fridge. Yeah. Is it going to still be drinkable?
1: Oh, sure. I think
2: uh, – Can it stand those temperature fluctuations? You know, uh, uh, you don't know, uh, No, I don't you actually. Don't know. But, but
1: I would because we only just canned it you know, a short time ago. Uh, it's got a longer shelf life than if you if the same can was around. You know what I'm going to do. Half, you know what I'm going to do.
2: I'm going to take I'm going to take it and go hot cold hot cold and then I'm going to uh, a week or two later I'm going to drink it. I'll let you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Last question. Yes, sir. Can I lay it down? Bring it on, man. Seriously, I can lay it down in my cellar. I can, You know, oh, lay no, it down. I thought you're no, like, you no, like you're like no. Can I can I, can I Christmas can challenge I, or something? <laughs>
1: Can I lay the can down in my wine cellar? You can lay it down. You can put it upside down. You can do anything you want no, with it. No, seriously. Would it age? Um, my guess – You don't know, do you? I, it's got all the components to be able to age for a couple of years. I would, But I, I would suspect it doesn't um, – I lowered the tannins in this to make it, like I said, more drinkable when it's warm. So I would suspect you just take this thing and crack it within a couple of weeks. No, but, I don't know why but, you would want to
2: age uh, well, a can of mine anyway. Just, but wouldn't that be fun to just – you forget
1: about – listen, I'm, if you forget about it, it's in the back of the pantry and you, you forgot about it. It's over behind the Coke and the Pepsi, Diet Pepsi <laughs> for like three months. Yes, it will be just fine. It will be just fine. It will be just fine. Wouldn't it be funny if like five years from now you crack it open and you go – Oh,
2: my goodness. I've had that
1: happen, not with cans, but with bottles that I've well, forgotten, I know, forgotten is a, we're, about.
2: We're yeah. in, we're in um, uncharted territories now.
1: I have – you know what? I'm, in theory, the, the liners inside these cans should have absolutely right. no – shouldn't right. break
2: so down. I'm going to become the testing laboratory for Cycles, Gladiator, Pinot Noir in a can. I'm going to get the can hot and cold and hot and cold. I'm going to take some other cans. I'm going to lay them down in my cellar. And uh, we'll check back with you in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I yeah. hope.
2: I hope we're still doing this. In a I couple guarantee of years.
1: I'll have some in the back of the pantry. But we're going to be canning. I mean, hoping that we're canning this stuff every two months because the demand is going to be so strong. But All right. I mean, we our advanced orders when we announced that we were going to can this stuff, we'd almost sold out before we even canned our first. That is one. crazy. That is crazy. All right, we're going to cut it off here because we've got to
2: get uh, Kimberly Charles on the line. She, Creme brulee. She's going to be talking to us about you know kind of a status report of. About what's uh, what's happening in Napa and Sonoma post fires. Oh yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty positive
1: story. But she was involved very heavily very, in that's why that's why we're going to. Yeah.
2: She's actually right now taking care of her. She's visiting her folks in Alabama. So we're going to take a break. We're going to get Kimberly on the line. I'm gonna have you call her. As a matter of fact, cool. Okay, you'll be our board op for a second, <laughs> Will Fuller, and uh, we'll be back with more grape encounters. My thanks, big thanks to Adam Lazar.
1: Thank you for Adam having Lazar. You. It's always a
2: pleasure. Wine superstar. There
1: is nothing. There is no chance that your palate will be dry coming into the studio with <laughs> David here. This is awesome. Okay, we'll be back in just a second. Stay with us.
0: Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Ah! Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends.
2: All right, it's nothing but superstars on Grape Encounters Radio. We get the really big people in the industry. <laughs> Adam Lazar in the studio, he brings wine. and you know, We had a really good time, but now uh, we're going to bring a mutual friend on the line. It's Kimberly Charles. She's the grand dame of wine promotions, not just in the Napa Valley and Sonoma, but beyond. You're too kind. No, but it's, uh, it's, it's true. I'm you glad were...
3: to be called. I'd love to be called a dame, if you don't mind, because I think that has even more of a fun connotation. <laughs> the grand dame? You want to be the grand dame? <laughs> Why not? It sounds a little more fun. Where are you in Alabama or someplace? I am in Alabama, where the Cycles Gladiator label was banned for some time, as it had a, a scantily clad woman on the label. But it is now legal, which is interesting and good. It was uh, a poster created in Paris for liberation, feminine liberation, to leave the home and take the bicycle and not have to depend on carriages or a gentleman escort, but to be able to travel through the streets on your own. So yeah, it has a lot of great connotations that are relevant to the times we're living in now.
2: You know, I'd, I'd kind of actually forgotten that you do the PR for Cycles Gladiator, but you do PR work and marketing work for a lot of different entities in Napa and Sonoma. And you made headlines, really, you and a group of people, when you raised money and you went out and you bought all kinds of things to fill the needs of fire victims and rented a U-Hauler and went out there. It was really an incredible story. But I know that you've had your finger on the pulse of what's going on. I think a lot of people have a misconception about the status of things in Napa and Sonoma right now. And I wanted to just make sure that the story is straight for anybody who's thinking about coming to California wine country and especially the wine countries in Napa and Sonoma. So what can you tell people right now?
3: Well, David, I really want to thank you and Grapes Encounters for continuing the conversation because I think in many people's minds these days with busy schedules, we tend to hear a piece of news and accept it as fact. And I can tell you without a doubt that wine country is wide open for business. Napa and Sonoma counties, as well as Lake and Mendocino, which were affected by those fires, are doing brisk business. In fact, a lot of interesting things, and a few I'd like to share with you on the show, but a lot of businesses have their doors wide open and they're also contributing back to fire relief funds for those affected closest to them. So, you know, what's interesting now is the rains are coming and so we have, you know, lots of green in the hills and between the rows of the vines and everything's pretty lush. And I'd say too, I like to travel wine country at this time because it's quieter, there's less traffic, it's cozy in the tasting rooms where it's a little chilly outside, you know, and I think now too, after the fire's There is an unqualified, palpable, extra sense of community going on. Everybody is just that much more relieved and and happy to have their job and to have visitors. And so it means a great deal.
2: You put the business aside, I think, and get back to the humanity of it all. Making great wines is a noble profession, but helping one another is the most important thing that human beings can do.
3: Very much so. You know, it really reinforced—I know this happens— Everywhere, when there is a disaster, it happened at Katrina. It happened at 9/11. And California shown so well after this, and the generosity continues. That's the other great thing: is that yeah. after the, the aftermath and the supply drive that we did, as you mentioned, you know now there's a lot of people trying to pick up the pieces. 8,900 structures were lost. The latest reporting is nine billion in losses. Um, oh, man. claimed so much uh, so far with insurance. It's nowhere near what Katrina was. It's one quarter of Katrina's economic impact at this point, but we still don't know the full scale of it. And I will say um, shortly after the fires, I did drive up to one of the neighborhoods that was the most devastated. And boy, you can't help it. You put yourself in that person's shoes. Just looking around and seeing everything you'd ever owned, just gone, vanished in, in just a matter of minutes.
2: And right now, you know, as we're talking, there are several blazes that are burning in the southern part of the state. And, you know, it's almost a carbon copy of what happened up in Napa and Sonoma and Mendocino and Lake County.
3: Just I know. You know California it's... just can't catch a break this year, you know, and it's in Ojai. And I heard last night the winds were up to 80 miles an hour. I really, really want a Christmas miracle, and I'd love these fires to just cease and yeah. to
2: Please, can we have earthquakes for a change?
3: <laughs> Don't even. <clears> please, <throat> I'm knocking on wood right now. <laughs> All right, we only have
2: a couple of minutes, so you said that sure. you had a couple of examples that you wanted to give.
3: Well, I wanted to encourage people to look to a few places. One is visit NapaValley.com, where okay. there is a lot of information about coming there and packages, and I know the airlines are offering relatively fair deals. So, you know, do explore it because they've got up-to-the-minute updates of you can plan and things you can do. And then SonomaWine.com has something called the Season of Love, which, again, shows the generosity of the community. It includes a lot of wineries and other businesses that are offering special things that will help raise money for fire relief. So it's through the end of the year, through New Year's Eve, that's SonomaWine.com Season of Love. So even if you don't come and visit and you want to support and order some wines, a lot of wineries are giving proceeds back.
2: And I will say this, too, that so many of the wineries, the restaurants, and the people who make their living in those areas are offering just all kinds of special opportunities and incentives for you to come because a lot of them are really suffering. And even though people are coming back, they're not coming back in droves just yet. And the industry can only survive if there's pretty heavy tourism. That's really super important. So do your Googling Hey, you, Absolutely. you reminded me of something. we got like about a half a minute left, but sure. I wanted to end it on a really happy note. So I want your suggestion, one suggestion to people who are going to give wine as a gift over the holidays.
3: And you want one of my um, ideas? I, I
2: just want one idea, one tip for people okay. who are going out and they're going to buy wine. What should they do?
3: Wow, that, that's a hard thing to narrow down, but I guess I would say... And I know it's a bit, it's probably a bit obvious, but I love champagne and I don't care whether it's a grand mark house or a grower champagne, or let's just say a sparkling wine like Prosecco. I was with my mom this morning and she'd never had been in a Costco before and they have a six ninety nine Prosecco that's made by Costco and she's going to try it and enjoy it. She's living on a fixed income and she wants to, you know, have that. But if you want to splurge, get a bottle of champagne and it will always be well.
2: So bring on the bubbles.
3: Bring on the bubbles and have it in a wine glass versus a champagne flute. You can enjoy it yes. more, the aromas more, and I per- personally prefer it in a white wine glass.
2: You know what? There's there's the good hot tip, and there was a study I think two years ago that came out that said that the conventional wisdom of drinking wine in a flute was wrong. That you can enjoy wine better in a wine glass. That by itself, ha- I'm living proof. It works. And that that is great. <laughs> by itself is a great holiday tip. So Kimberly Charles of the Charles Agency says, "Bring on the bubbles."
3: I love and it. And I wish you a wonderful 2018, David, and all of us inside and outside of the wine world. And So all the best to everyone for the
2: new year. And I will add this tip. If you're going to give wine as a gift, stay away from the bottom shelf. Don't go there. Don't go near the bottom shelf. Not unless it's someone you don't like. Those are the cruddy wines. And if you recognize the name on the label, don't give it as a gift. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Surprise them with something different. Kimberly Charles, happy holidays. It's always a pleasure to have you on Grape Encounters.
3: Always a pleasure and an honor, and thank you so much.
2: The grand dame of wine. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters, folks. We will see you back here next week with lots of reasons why you should drink wine instead of anything else. This week's Grape Encounters is down to the last drop.
0: Don't let that trouble you. We're headed down to the wine cellar in search of something remarkably special to share with you next week. Until then, we've got hundreds upon hundreds of past episodes ready to be uncorked at GrapeEncounters.com.
2: Help
3: yourself to anything you'd like.